This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Hey, you guys, did you see the video promoting this new episode? Yeah, I'm using a new tool called Promo by Slidely, and it's sort of a one-stop video service that uses premium videos, licensed music if you want, or you can bring in your own music or audio like I did, and it was so easy to use, and I'm so impressed with it. In fact, their help is available on chat 24-7, and they helped me through my first one with ease. So if you'd like to try it out, check out the link on the show notes where we have a promotion for you to give it a try. Hey, listeners, we're on like take four of this intro. I don't know why I keep cracking up when I talk about it, but uh, Michael Heron is another one of the vegans on the journey of getting Jane to become a vegan, and none of them are doing it intentionally. It just seems to be an interesting trend. Michael's a musician, a producer. Uh, He has created a one-person show called The Animal Show after spending time at an animal sanctuary, and his story is just lovely and colorful and entertaining. So be ready to laugh and be ready to be further influenced to the vegan lifestyle. Here's Michael. Hi, Michael. Welcome to Glistening Particles. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Gosh, I'm glad we got that out of the way because um, for the listeners, <laughs> uh, we're both podcasters and there's this awkwardness about pretending we just started talking because we were just talking for a little bit, <laughs> but at least we got through it, right? We're both okay? Yeah, I, I feel okay. I okay. mean... I'm a little shaken up still, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's start by telling people what you do, which might take a while. We could probably use a good part of the show with that, but let's, yeah, tell everybody what you do. A lot of cool things. Um, I am, uh, but, oh, I'm still working on doing a good elevator pitch. Let me restart. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a musician and composer, performance artist, uh, storyteller, and I guess podcaster and a vegan activist. So I, that was pretty good. That was that was really concise, and that's yeah, a lot I of also, things. Yeah. yeah, I also teach, and I and I said podcast. Yeah, you did. So I do a lot of different, like all mostly related around being a musician. Nice. You know, um, I love when I watched. I looked at your website, obviously, and your Instagram, and all these different things. And I think uh, you signed up for, or, or were tagged on the 18 series I'm doing in 2018 of people who stand up for something. And I think it was specifically around animals. So we'll be talking yes. about that. But um, how far back do you go with this musician thing? Like how long have you been playing music or performing or whatever it is that you call it? Um, I, when I was a really little kid, I, I guess I was probably like eight or nine. I had um, this organ. I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to assume anyone's age. You're probably not old enough to remember these things. I think they still exist. It's called like a chord organ. And it was like maybe a couple octaves and it's this big plastic thing. And it sounded 
terrible. <laughs> but it had a keyboard on it. I was fascinated with this. Uh-huh. Um, so I did little concerts in my bedroom then. So I guess like if you want to say it went back to then. Um, but it wasn't until I was like in middle school that we, my family got a piano. Mm. And I started really, I loved it. And, and I, um, I taught myself and then started taking lessons. And my teacher fixed all the things <laughs> I taught myself incorrectly. <laughs> and I've just always played the piano and performed. And just through the years, especially in my 40s, um, it wasn't until I was like maybe 42, 43 that I was like, I've always been um, interested in artists like Laurie Anderson and um, well, she's, she's like a main one, like Yoko Ono. I have this really bizarre like <laughs> collection of tastes, um, but it's all people who do like interest, like performance type work. Okay. Um, and I always wanted to do that sort of thing. And for some reason, I didn't feel like I could until like I turned, I turned 40 and thought I was old and going to die soon <laughs> for a while. <laughs> And then when I realized, like, oh, that's not, not true. That's propaganda. No, it's, it's totally propaganda. Yeah, but I didn't. I, it took me a couple of years to snap out of it. And then I was like, oh, I guess since I'm still alive, <laughs> I might, maybe I'll try doing this performance art thing I always wanted to do. So now I write my own work and I perform it. And uh, yeah, that's so cool. Now, what did you do before then? Like, did you do some some like what did you do? I'll just leave I it did. Uh-huh. I um I played the piano for other people. I like accompanied okay. singers. Um, I did music directing and theaters, mostly when I was still in Texas. I lived in Houston before I moved to New York. I live Houston. in Brooklyn now. Yeah. Houston to New York. That's a jump. That's a yeah, jump. Yeah, and that was another thing. I was like maybe 38 when I moved to New York, and it was another one of those things like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm getting close to 40. If I don't <laughs> move now, like I'm going to live the rest of my life in Houston. Go, 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 go. And I made myself move. Um, but I, I did a lot of theater work in Houston mm-hmm. and some here, um, most of the people I play for in New York are like cabaret singers and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I was always at the piano and just like, sort of like s- offering support for someone else. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until the last few years that I started doing my own thing and moving myself to the center of the stage. So you've always made your living in the arts. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, like there was a long time before, like. We uh, we talked a little before about about drinking, uh-huh. and um, so I'm a, I'm in recovery. Okay, um, and there was like once I got sober, I got sober when I was 25, and um, it was a couple years after that that I went back to school and, mm. and really like committed to like studying music and and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was around the time, like when in my in my late 20s, I think I started teaching and doing like mm. music directing and that type of thing. So can I, I'm going to ask a personal question. You have full rights to decline answering, but okay. is there something specific that got you to stop drinking? Was it specific, like a event or a situation or just, it was time? It was, you know, I, um, the, my best friend in mm-hmm. around this time in, in my twenties, he was in therapy. And then I, another friend that I thought was really cool was in therapy. I was like, Oh, maybe mm-hmm. I should go to therapy. Uh-huh. And, um, and, I needed it <laughs> right? because I was drinking a lot and taking drugs and I was depressed. Like I was not in good shape. Uh-huh. Um, it's really interesting that I've wound up like having somehow the wherewithal to get myself to a therapist. Mm. Um, Cause I, w- it was, I was kind of a mess. And this therapist was like so perfect. Like he, I think he like pegged me immediately, but he, but he asked me casual questions about my drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, and anyway, so through the course of seeing this guy for a couple of years, 
he, I, I stopped drinking. And then like, it was after I stopped drinking for a year that, that he suggested like, well, now maybe what about 12 steps? So, um, oh, wow. So you kind of yeah. went the backwards way of it. Yeah. And it that's was, fascinating it was to me, actually. That's so, yeah. that's so fascinating. And I also, I love it when people tell stories where you know that the universe lined up the right people for them right at the right time. Oh my God, this yeah. guy, like mm. I was so broke and I couldn't afford it. And he was, he wanted me to keep coming. And he like, he said, we can run a tab. You don't have to pay me. And then like, and I would like, you know, I was able to like catch up. And finally I was, was like, really, I, I won't be able to pay. And he was like, okay, how about you pay me a dollar a session? Wow. Yeah. Oh. And then, and then the dollar <laughs> a session became too much. And he was still like, let's do a dollar a session and I'll just keep a tab for you. And then you can just pay me one. Like this, this guy, like he totally changed my life. Where is he now? Do you keep in touch with him? Um, I tracked him down on Facebook um, a few years ago mm-hmm. and sent him the thing because I'm still in recovery. And, you know, when, when you speak in meetings, you tell your story of how you got sober. So I'm always talking about this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sent him a message like, hey, blah, blah, blah. He's not even a therapist anymore. What? He's, he's doing great. Like, I don't even know what he does now. But um, <laughs> it's like, it's really interesting, that stuff. You know, that, that's the whole premise of when I started, before I started Glistening Particles, the podcast, I was doing a blog called Random Acquaintances, where you meet people in your life, and sometimes it's only for a moment, yet you know that either you change their life or they change, like there's like a shift, you know, even if you had a conversation with them just once, and sometimes yeah. it's more like that. But I mean, the way those people come in and they do their job, you know, I like, I always hope I'm doing my job if I'm here to serve somebody for a purpose as, such as that, of whatever that is, to turn their life. I just hope yeah. I'm doing it. I hope I'm paying attention, you know, and doing the thing. Yeah, but you are, right? Because it, yeah. like, it's sort of built in for us to do that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We don't even know we're doing it. Yeah. Huh, awesome. So I didn't mean to go down that tangent, but I couldn't help it because it was like knocking on my head, like, ask that yeah. question. <laughs> so you went to Houston, you went to New York at 38 when you were getting old and dying. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was then, that or a hospice. Uh, <laughs> they're so darn expensive. You know, why not? Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. Go, like someplace affordable, like New York city. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Good choice. Did you have something lined up there or did you, was it just that it had to be New York city? It had to be New York city. My sister and her husband, my brother-in-law had uh, lived here forever mm-hmm. here in New York. And my sister had been for years like, come, come, you can come live with us as long as you need to, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. finally I did it. Like it was partly the like nearing 40 and being afraid of just being stuck in Houston, you mm-hmm. know, like settling in. And um, oh, side note, I, Houston isn't bad. I really like it there. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm sort of like being rude about it. It's very different though. It's a, the two places are so different. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wound up coming and um, I lived with my sister and brother-in-law for what turned into like six months mm-hmm. <laughs> as I was trying to get it together. Yeah. I worked in Starbucks for a mm-hmm. while, like, like I so many like different things until finally, like I caught my groove mm-hmm. and, uh, the right combination of side jobs right. <laughs> together. Yeah. So what's been your favorite, like the like music work aside from when it's, before you started creating your own thing, what was your favorite gig where you were with other people? Do you think? Do um, you you know, it's really interesting because I think like when we talk about like having things built in, mm-hmm. um, I think everything I did before doing my own thing mm-hmm. was sort of 
um, like uh, something I was like, well, I really want to be writing my own work and performing, but I'm probably not good enough to do that. So instead, I'll do this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like a lot of the things I did felt like I was settling, you know, mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. But there are some there are some really fun projects that I did. Like there's a one. Uh, I always say it's a one man show with a guy on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the guy on the piano. In the show. Okay. It's this guy It's called Billy Bishop Goes to War. Uh -huh. It's this show that it, like it's about a, a, a Canadian fighter pilot. Um, okay. but it's a beautiful show. Like it's totally not the type of thing I would normally be excited about, mm -hmm. but the guy, the main guy turned, wound up being like a really good friend and we had a great mm -hmm. time doing the show and we've done it a couple of times since then. Um, so I think that if I were to say one experience that wasn't my own stuff, mm -hmm. it would be that. So, um, what was the first thing that you did on your own? Your first big own th thing you went out and performed? Um, oh, I love this stuff. <laughs> I, love, I love being like being a guest on a podcast. I know it's different, I, isn't it? Yeah. Like catching myself, like stop talking about yourself so much. And it's like, <laughs> no, you're supposed to keep going. You want to be, or I'll start. So keep going. <laughs> okay. 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 I'll keep it going. Um, I did a show. My first solo show is called Tentative Armor. Okay. And, um, this, there's a church here in New York City called uh, Judson Memorial Church. It's this historic place. It's really, really amazing. It's like a, it's a huge church um, mm -hmm. in the West Village. And there, um, I'm such so not a church person. I always forget these words. They're like, it's not their mission. It's one of their churchy things that they go out <laughs> and do is to provide, provide I think space. it is mission. Isn't it mission? I think there's another word for it. Oh, okay. There's another churchy word. <laughs> Service, service uh, projects. Okay, I'll stop guessing. Let's just ministry. Ministry. Oh ministry. yeah, yeah. That's a good churchy word. Good yeah, job. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. very. Yeah, they provide space for artists. Oh. And I had a friend on um, on the board at the time, and he kept telling me because I had mentioned like, oh yeah, I would like to do. Well, I said, come and do a show at 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 the church. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, and part of the stuff that I wanted to write was kind of a, an adult theme. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was like, just go talk to, to this guy, Micah Busey, who's a minister at the church. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I went and talked to the guy. I was like, Hey, I have an idea. I want to blah, blah, blah. He said, great. Let's find a date for you. So wow. he, we had a date to do this show that I had barely written anything and it made me do this show. So I wrote a show called Tentative Armor. It had like different stories. It had music. I had some string players with me, which is kind of my thing of having electronic music with like a live string quartet. Um, so yeah, that was my first, uh, first solo thing to do. And it, like, there was a moment in it when like, it's, I sort of do this hybrid of like, sort of like there's a piece in the show that's called five tasks of grief mm -hmm. about like for my mom when she was dying. So there's like heavy stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then also these sort of like crazy adult oriented <laughs> stories. <laughs> so in the church, one, this is in the church. Yeah, okay. This church is like so super liberal and okay. activisty and like it's a super great place. So okay. I was really nervous like telling some of these stories. Yeah. But now that I've been I wound up becoming a member of the church because I love it so much. Wow. Um, that's even more amazing. Yeah, it's a great like, place. The timing though, you know. Oh yeah. So I did this so there was one moment in the thing where I was like, what like I'd never no one had heard any of this material I was doing because mm -hmm. I was just practicing it at home. Uh -huh. And um so I'm telling these stories for the first time in front oh. of an audience. And there was one point I will always remember when I, there's a little part in the story called Mango about, about this guy that I thought was hot in line at Whole Foods. So 
like wound up offering me a piece of mango from his fruit salad. Uh-huh. So there's one part in it that I didn't even realize was funny. And everyone laughed, like the whole crowd laughed. And I was like, oh my God, they, li- they like this. this is- <laughs> I'm, like, I- I'm doing this. Like all- up oh. until that moment, it was probably a good 15 minutes into the show where I was like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> and then someone was like, oh wait, this is good. They like it. So anyway, <laughs> that was the first thing. Did you decide from there forward you would have the joke earlier in the in the show? <laughs> I kind of like saying the joke. Like oh. I sort of have this thing where I like. I mean, the the show that I do now is called The Animal Show, mm-hmm. but and it starts in a similar way where it's sort of like uh, atmospheric, sort of like mm-hmm. uh, ambient music and the piano and just this whole like thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of like starting like that, so people are like, "What? What is <laughs> what's happening?" And then like. Yeah, so the funny comes a little later. Oh, so it kind of gets them a little bit unease, like I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and then and then when they get caught by the funny thing, they're like, "Oh, <laughs> it's all going to be okay. This is awesome." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. That's pretty clever. Is that like a known trick? Does is there a name to that in the know. entertainment industry, or just? I want to say I made it up myself, but I'm sure I didn't. I Let's do it. Let's just call yeah. it the heron effect. Let's do. Something. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, done. Good. Yeah. I'll write that down. That means it's official. Okay. Oh, if it's on paper, yep. I guess. Especially yeah. on my paper. So. Okay, cool. I didn't realize that you had that, I had that, that. that power. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I almost knocked over my mic. Pro, going pro on the show. Amazing. <laughs> okay, so I think we should talk about the animal stories. Okay. A story or stories? Story or story? Um, well, the, the show itself is called The Animal Show. The Animal Show. See, I didn't get it yeah. right at all. Okay. Yeah, that's okay, but it has animal stories in it. I think you said that. That's what I picked up on. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about that and how let's let's go through that. How did you come up with okay. that? What what drove you to do an animal show? The um animal show. all right. So I I had just finished doing that show, Tentative Armor, and I made a book and an album about it. I did a Kickstarter to fund <sighs> this book and album, which I was also like, Oh my god, people are giving me money to make an <laughs> album music of this show that I just sort of like threw together. Um, I didn't just throw it together, but to me I did because I didn't know how to make a show. I just started making it. Um, So I just finished up the the album and like I'd mailed all the things off to the, to the uh, uh, backers on Kickstarter. And I was like, okay, I guess that's Mm -hmm. it. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do again. Like what other thing can I make? And um, I wound up taking a trip to Woodstock farm animal sanctuary Mm-hmm. with a couple of my friends and um it was only my second visit to an animal sanctuary have you ever been to one Mm-mm. it's amazing i was already vegan when i went and already already like somewhat involved in animal rights so an animal sanctuary is a place where like animals who are rescued basically from being eaten <laughs> are now living out their lives you know wow. so there's cows and chickens and pigs and and so they had a Thanksgiving, which is their <laughs> Thanksgiving event. Um, and the turkeys, this is so cheesy, but it gets me like all verklempt every time. <gasps> the turkeys are the honored guests. Aww. So like everyone gathers around like 100, 200 people. And the turkey, these turkeys come into this little area that's like set up for them and they eat. Wow. Like no one eats Thanksgiving dinner until after the turkeys eat. Oh my gosh. So I was at this place and they were talking about how they're moving to a new, um, to a new location. And, um, and it dawned on me while I was there, I was like, wait a minute, I've always wanted to write show a show, like somehow involve my, my animal rights activism in my creative work. Mm -hmm. 
what if I can do an animal a residency at an animal sanctuary and just work at the sanctuary and write stories about that experience? So that's how the animal show came about. Oh. I, I did it actually at a place called Tamerlane Farm Animal Sanctuary in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and so for a year, I visited there as often as I could. I had to keep mm-hmm. teaching and whatnot in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So I would visit for like long weekends and mm-hmm. just be a volunteer and then work. Like I would stay for, you know, several days mm-hmm. and then just write about this experience. Um, so those stories became stories in the show. And I walk, would walk around with my recorder and like record animal sounds and different, just capture different things that I would then like pull into my computer and sort of mm. build into the music. Um, so yeah. Okay. I'm going to pause you for a minute and ask sort I've got about 700 questions. Um, okay. Uh, I'll stay on animals on the animal show first, but I do have a question okay. back to the other one. Um, yeah. So with an animal sanctuary like that, couldn't yeah. we rescue, like, couldn't we overfill that super fast if we just went and rescued all the animals that are about to get killed? Like, how do they end up going, this one oh. we're going to rescue and save this one? When Good there's question. so many that need that, like, if some, if I knew I could take all those, you know, whatever there, I would just run them over there. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Like, uh, places like, like Tamerlane is a smallish place. They're mm-hmm. moving to a newer location, but still, like, all of these places also have to, like, the thing that's so magical and crazy about an animal sanctuary mm-hmm. is they have, it has to be funded somehow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, most of them are vegan places, so they're not going to, like, sell the eggs or, like, right. you know, so the animals just get to live there. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, so they also have to keep that in mind, right? Because right. like, the budget, like, how are we going to take care of all these animals? Right. Um, so a lot of work, places work on donations and, and having fundraisers mm-hmm. and that type of thing. So are, are, you, are you asking, like, kind of how, how which well, how animals did, wind yeah, up there and how they get there? Like, why did that chicken get there and the other one ended up not? You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. Like a, yeah. One of the things that like um, there's a big bunch of chickens at Tamerlane that came from a, a uh, egg laying farm. Mm-hmm. So like in like commercial egg uh, factory farms, the chickens stopped producing enough eggs after about two years. Mm-hmm. So most of the places will just gas the entire flock and just kill them all and bring in new ones. Yeah. <laughs> So there was some wealthy guy who somehow decided, like, I don't know all the details of Mm -hmm. the story, but this guy, like, bought a bunch of chickens Mm. that were about to be killed and, like, paid to fly them to sanctuaries all over the country. So, like, there's a big bunch of chickens Mm. (laughs) from that thing at Tamerlane Farm. Um, So there are all kinds of stories like that. There's a pig at, um, at Tamerlane that came from a hoarder like this this couple had um, all these animals and w- the husband died mm-hmm. and the wife just like got super overwhelmed. And like, so she had all these, you know, all these animals mm-hmm. and Clara, the pig, who's actually mm-hmm. my show. Cause Clara's not a very nice pig. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a whole story about how terrified I am of, of Clara. Oh really? So, yeah. Yeah. Oh. She, she bit me one day. Oh yeah. Ouch. She, yeah, but she was she lived in a bathroom. She lived in the bathroom for like three years at this hoarder so place. Sad. Yeah, so there's this whole level of like, oh yeah, you bit me, but oh my god, your life has been right. awful. Like, yeah, like it's almost. I, and I like you know, I I was telling you about the fact that as of this moment, I'm not vegan. Yeah. However, the universe keeps sending me 
show guests <laughs> that are. And so I think I that so I think the universe has a plan. And a couple of years ago, I I attempted to become vegan for about yeah. two weeks, and I watched all the propaganda. And I say that huh. in a positive way, but all the things that yeah. help you realize what's going on. And now I walk around every day in this sun, like this cognitive dissonance of like. I know the stories, but I'm still eating meat, you know, kind of thing. So um, when you, like, even as you're telling me this, I'm like, but but Claire is okay. But like, there's like a bajillion animals that just got killed today. Yeah. Like it just, I like, I can't, I can't like wrap my head around it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, And I just saw, I just saw this thing on the, on like, I don't know, FaceTime or something like that. So it was super cute, like something on Ellen because she posts all those cute animal things. And it yeah. was a little duck on um, on a rock, a baby duck, grabbing little like whatever food pieces out of this bowl and feeding all the koi fish around him in the water. Mm-hmm. Like a duck feeding fish. They're not, they have, they have consciences, consciences. They have, they have a soul. You know what yeah. I'm trying to say? Yeah. I have a dog yeah. and a cat. I have a dog and a cat. They have souls. They're the cat has a lot of soul and the dog and she does too but a, a nice a kind soul the cat's got kind of a feisty soul but uh-huh. my point is i go through that thing where i'm like why is it okay to eat that and it's then she's my pet you know what i mean and why yeah. is it okay to i i don't know have you read anything from uh melody joy Mm-mm. melanie joy melanie joy uh-uh. she has a book i can never remember the ni- name of it her TED talk is amazing, and I think okay. you would like it. That's probably where you should start. Okay. Um, the book is called "Why We Love Dogs, Eat Pigs, Something right. Chicken." Like, um, she has this whole, and I, I probably shouldn't get too into it because I'm not very good at like remembering stuff. <laughs> but Me she either. coined a term called uh, carnism, uh-huh. which is this belief system that we have that like dogs and cats are in the pet category. We love them. Uh-huh. Eggs and chickens and cows; those are in the food category. So, and, but like her book is so fascinating because she shows all these examples of how our society is built up to, to maintain that belief system. Yes. It's really interesting. To me, okay, and this is going a little deep on it, I think, but there's this core, you know how we, I don't know, I think everybody has their sort of core thing, the, the thing that, that rocks their soul if they see it happen. So I have this like thing against oppression. Mm-hmm. I can't even in certain movie in the theater if I see like something too strong I I can't even stay in the theater and watch it oh, you know yeah. on a on a movie I mean it gets me like at my core and to me why like this is why I have to sort this out and deprogram or figure out how I'm going to go from like a more paleo diet to a vegan diet at some point because that's going to be flipping it all upside down but yeah like how is that different how is it different going cows are food and dogs are pets than saying these people are slaves and these people are not. Yeah. It's like, it's the same thing. Yeah. And I, and I'm getting there and it's driving me crazy. You know, because yeah, that's a, that's a tough place to be. I was there for a long time too. And in fact, I was vegetarian animal rights dude mm-hmm. in my probably when I was 18 and 19 for a couple of years, like mm-hmm. straight up protesting, putting stickers on meat in stores, like uh-huh. all that kind of like, you know, this is flesh. the power stuff. Yeah. And then when I started drinking, mm-hmm. I was like, ah, forget it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And it was many years after that, that I finally like snapped back to it. And there was a period in there when I was like, I knew like I, my, uh, belief system, my ethics, whatever required mm-hmm. me to be vegan. But I was like, oh, I don't want to, but right. I could not 
like I kept eating meat and animal products and I just got more and more kind of sick of myself. <laughs> that Yeah. And that's, I mean, this is even hard for me to say this out loud on the yeah. show because first of all, I really respect your choices. I think I just bit my lip to the point that I made my lip bleed. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really bite it. It's just so dry here. It's in Wisconsin. It's cold and dry. Uh, anyway, um, but my point is, like, it's hard for me to say these things out loud because I think someday in a year or two years or whatever, I'll listen back to this and be really frustrated with myself that I didn't, you know, just like flip. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so, a- I, but I need to go through some process. It's like, there's part of that that I need to move through yeah, and like, sh- like kind of peel off the layers of what I was taught, yeah, you know, and believe it's- that I'll be okay. And I, and I also, after like always dealing with um, weight issues and losing a good amount of weight, a significant amount of weight, and then still having more to lose. I have this fear of eating things like beans and carbs, you know? Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's a tricky one. I'm in a tricky spot. So I think all I can eat anymore are vegetables and fruit, and that's it. And I don't know that I can sustain <laughs> myself on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll find it, You'll find what works for you. Yeah, yeah. My entire vegan journey is on my podcast. It's When you were talking about that, uh-huh. it made me realize, like, because my podcast has been like, Almost 13 years, I think. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, I love I that. Wasn't, I wasn't vegan yet when I started doing it. Really? So I talked about it, and I interviewed vegans. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was this chef named Issa Chandra Moskowitz. Okay. Who, oh, good job got, saying that fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's still my favorite like vegan cookbook author. She has a restaurant in Brooklyn now. Um, she told me on the podcast, she said, don't worry – Eventually, your taste buds will catch up with your ethics. Ah, and it happened. That's how it happened. Like it took a while, and I was there was a lot of like beating myself up, and mm-hmm. I think I sort of enjoy on some level like feeling like I'm a bad person. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> having that like, oh, you did it again. You did that thing you said <laughs> we're gonna do. Look I don't you. enjoy that at all, but I do it all the time. But I don't enjoy yeah. it at all. Maybe, maybe enjoy it isn't a bad <laughs> word. Maybe it's the best. Maybe I'm just in the, in the habit of it's my nature. Like yeah, it's my nature. Yeah. But the other thing that it's interesting, so interesting, is my you know I have this I have like a gluten intolerance, you know, and I'm like, well, will that go away if I go if I'm vegan and not eating meat? Will that change? But also, um, everyone I've talked to, all these guests coming on, uh, well, your guest, the the rapper vegan, said, oh, oh yeah. I lost like 20 pounds like in two months. The um, I had this spiritual gangsta yoga uh, yoga. Uh, Sandra on a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. She said she lost 50 pounds when she went vegan, like without even effort. I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's maybe if that's the way it'll go. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do yeah. that thing. You know? Yeah. Um, I, that wasn't exactly my experience. <laughs> <laughs> but I think my diet is not great. Like I, I eat a lot of like sort of processed vegan food and whatnot. Uh, so, okay. I mean, I, I don't think it's a given. But if you're already like, I don't know. Yeah, I eat I, super clean. I already eat soup pretty oh. I mean, almost all the time. Well, most of the time, a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I go clean, 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 then bam, then I just crash. But even yeah. you'll notice I'm drinking this really murky looking drink here in a jar. Yeah, it looks actually kind of delicious. It's I, actually, I, um, let's see here, coconut milk, not the high fat kind, but the kind that comes like in the carton to drink like milk. Oh, yeah, yeah. That and uh, kale and baby kale and apple and banana and a bunch of frozen berries and all jammed up in the in the Vitamix. It's really good. I love that stuff. 
Sometimes I throw an orange in mine. It, mm. I read that it cuts the um, kale taste, but it sounds like you might like the kale taste. It's Well, actually, I put cinnamon in it, too. I forgot that. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really good. Actually, I made it this morning. It's the second half. It was so big. There's no uh, way I yeah. could finish it. So, yeah. So I'm trying to, like, ease my way over into the fruit because I actually didn't even eat much fruit. So I'm trying to ease my way over there. Not that everybody needs to know all these things, but if you, any guests, are struggling with this vegan thing knocking on your head like mine this is how yeah. it goes it's a it's like almost like you have to back into it or something there's just something yeah. you have to go through to get there that's what i liked about what your guest said he yeah. said it was like a transition for him like a, it was more and it was more than what he ate it was mind body and soul like everything changed but he didn't get that at first then all of a sudden he's like yeah. oh like once he was his body was really clean of, yeah, of yeah, and now he's products. like a big activist. Like he started right. for health reasons, right? Um, yeah, I love that. And another guest was saying how um, she had a lot of like digestive issues, and they just went away once she went vegan. Like she yeah. was trying for years to fix them, and then her her husband had a like a a numb part of his arm, I think. Oh, yeah. I listened to this yeah. episode. For a moment, I was like, that sounds so familiar. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. on your podcast. <laughs> That's why I know this. <laughs> and it was, it, it like solved it. I'm like, seriously? That's seriously? amazing. And my coach, I have a coach and he is vegan and he's, he doesn't like, he doesn't, he never tells me what to do, but he likes to drop these ideas, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think he's like so happy right now that all these vegans are showing up in my life. He's like, oh, yeah. And then you're going to. Oh, I don't want to give yeah. away. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it, it's totally cool. Um, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Joey Carbstrong. That uh, guy. I know. I'm so <laughs> excited. Did you see what happened with him this week? Yes. On yeah. that show. with yeah. the, And everybody's like arguing yeah. all these crazy arguments with him. And he's like, come on. Like <laughs> the guy rubbing on his teeth. What about these canines? Yeah, I is know. this one we're talking about? <laughs> no, I ha I thought of that too because I have some pretty hefty canines yeah. here. I have like a you know, I don't know, almost vampire thing going on. Some yeah. days when I look, but uh, apparently that's not what they're for. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I notice at Tamerlane, and this is like I don't know, maybe it's too vegan propaganda ish, but it's an interesting observation that I had okay. when I went one Thanksgiving to Tamerlane Farm, the place where I was doing the the residency. They have six turkeys. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, it suddenly dawned on me. It's like, oh, like these turkeys that are walking around don't look delicious. Like, mm -hmm. I don't have to resist eating these turkeys. Like, I just, oh, it's a turkey. Like, right. I don't know. I just had a moment of like, is it my instinct to eat a turkey? Like, if I were starving, okay, like maybe it would be my instinct mm -hmm. to just figure something out. Uh -huh. But it's, it, it's not a, like a, you know what I mean? Like, I don't actively. Like, oh, I, I never look at an animal and think it's tasty. Ever. Yeah. Not yeah, ever. Not even a fish. Yeah. You know, most of the time I'm grossed out. In fact, for the record, I never cook Thanksgiving dinner. Even for my family, I have to have someone else prepare it because I cannot touch the carcass and know that it's an actual oh, body of an animal and like do all that stuff to it. So, it's I so would have weird, to, right? Yeah. I would have to have someone else do that. I mean, I, you know, I can eat it after it's all done, but I couldn't actually do it. I just. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. I, know, sorry. I, I, I dropped like down I the a... vegan rabbit hole there. <laughs> yeah, I think I, 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 I let us down there too. So no, it was fun though. It was fun though, wasn't it? Like yeah. it's good chatter. It's good because I think it's going to make people think. That's that's what I I like about this conversation that I keep having yeah. it 
And it keeps making me look at it like kind of, you know, turn it around and look at it differently and see it from all these different angles until I figure out what's right for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, you should visit a sanctuary. I don't want to mm. shoot all over you. Yeah, you are. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you, I think you might enjoy going to like it. It was pretty transformative for me. Yeah. I was already vegan, but mm-hmm. like seeing the animals and just like, oh, this is a pig. Like, you know, like I never I had know. interacted with a pig other than like on my plate. Right. So even I don't like, eat pork. I, I don't eat pork except in the form of bacon. But that's another oh, yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I just probably offended a lot of people, but yeah, I can't. I I heard stories about pork along to pigs a long time ago, and I couldn't. Yeah, but somehow I was able to like, you know, pull the blinders on over bacon. Well, because it's a separate. Like it feels like a. It's just this. It's just a thing I bought in a package. Right. It's a strip it's, of something. That, it's very yeah. easy to make that separation, but at some point, for some of us. We can't make that separation anymore. <laughs> I it was like yeah. that's where I'm getting to. I was standing in Whole Foods because I, I do try to eat like super healthy foods and get it because I have so many sensitivities. So I'm standing in there and I'm going to make this recipe and I'm at the meat counter and this is a, after a couple of these vegan, vegan conversations and knowing I was going to be talking with you, and I'm just standing there going, just don't think about it. Just don't think about it. I'm like, wait, wait, that's not who I am. You know, it was like yeah. such a quandary. It was such a yeah. quandary. Well, because oh. it feels like we're the like the crazy ones, right? Yeah. And no, so, but yeah. Uh, it, when I look at like if when I show up at a place where people are not familiar with vegans and mm-hmm. you know, like trying to explain to them, it's it and. But coming from from the, this side, I don't. I hate mm. making it sound like I'm taking a side or like right. it's some sort of battle. Mm-hmm. But like my experience of like hanging out with animals and really being like, no, I don't want to hurt animals. It seems so weird that I have to explain that to people. You know, that's what makes me feel a little crazy sometimes. I'm mm-hmm. like, what? But I'm just saying I don't want right. <laughs> to kill anybody. So how how do you think though that people who actually do that, who people who are around animals all the time. And yeah. are hurting them. Like, how do they sort that out in their heads? How do they live with themselves? Like, how does that? Because first of all, if I were actually on a on a dairy farm or a a ranch or something like that, and I had to hurt an animal in any way, shape, or form, I'd be done. Can't do it. I'm out. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't. There's just no way I could do that for a job. Yeah. I mean, I. I I'm not. I'm not trying to that, judge. I'm not trying to judge. Yeah. I'm just trying to understand honestly. Well, I guess I, I'm thinking slaughterhouse, but right. like slaughterhouse workers probably, I mean, I get the sense that, that those, the people working slaughterhouses may not have a lot of other options, right, right. Um, but farmers, you know, like in a lot of the conversations I've had, cause I tend to get a little bossy pants on Facebook <laughs> being vegan. and I've had a lot of conversations with people who like either they get their meat from a, from a family farm, mm-hmm. which seems really surprising, like surprisingly how many people say they do that mm-hmm. i think a lot of them maybe don't do it as often as they say uh-huh. but you know i think people really will buy into what, what we heard on the um on that that tv show that joey carbstrong was mm-hmm. on like there's a lot of like well this is tradition right this there's the food chain we've been doing this for thousands right. of years we got big brains because we right. eat meat like all this kind of stuff um i think people really invest in that and then you know the the same reason i think people get really emotional when when I, I speaking from my own experience when I try to sort of push people on like no but is it is it really 
ethical to mm-hmm. you know, like we all know now like we don't have to eat animals or any mm-hmm. animal products to be healthy is it ethical to eat them anyway like people get very mm-hmm. some people get very angry with me because well because they feel judged and maybe the way I'm presenting it is judgmental and I don't haven't filtered that <laughs> that out yet um but it's challenging something that their parents taught them right. you know like it's like, cause everyone in my entire life when I was growing up was like, of course, yeah, of course we do this. Right. And so if people, it's not easy to be like, oh my God, the thing that I'm doing might not be right. And yeah. this is thing that everyone, my mom said this was what I should yeah, do. Yeah, like, that's a hard place to be this, in. Yeah. What does this mean about everything else? Right. What else isn't true? What else is, yeah, yeah but Okay, so do you think it's different because of now, because of all the, I mean, the last whatever hundred years or whatever it's been that we've had all these, you know, large, huge farms and huge, um, you know, industry around meat? Do you think, do would you feel the same if it was 200 years ago and people had, you know, they grew a cow every year and they, you know what I mean? They, you know what I mean? They grew just enough for themselves. Not grew. That's not the right word. Raised. Yeah. Sorry, that was the wrong word. Raised. Yeah, Even though I can't imagine that. I can't imagine raising a cow and then uh, that that would never happen. I would not be able to do it. I'd be like, I can't do that to you. Like, remember the movie Babe? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That like was... How, like, yeah. And, and, like, sh- does anyone get slaughtered in Charlotte's Web? Am mm. I remember? Like, I, something's, like, popping up for me about no, that. No, they saved... They saved they saved, was it Henry? What was the pig's name? Uh, I, but they saved the pig. Wilbur, Wilbur. Wilbur. Yeah, Henry. Yeah. Is that right, Wilbur? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what, I, I think I lost track of what, what well, the question Well, I mean, like I couldn't, ra- I couldn't raise an animal for my own yeah. meat, but some people, like, is it, would you feel the same if it were that people were, you know, humanely raising animals for their own family versus the huge farms that are, are the huge, you know, places where they're, where they're just, like they say, enslaving them and hurting them and all of that. Would you feel yeah. differently in that situation? I, my, my belief is that it can't be done humanely. Like, mm. like, uh, cause the, like these animals will, they want to live, you know, they'll mm-hmm. fight to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Like, is there a humane to, way to kill someone that, doesn't want to die right yeah well even just i saw this uh cartoons like our animations of all these scenarios between what we do with animals and if you flipped it with humans so like they had you know human uh women in a place and they were milking them (laughs) and uh you know just like uh a human on the table and a pig butchering it you know i mean they weren't like as gory as they sound they were like just pictures but i mean they were but they just definitely were unsettling because I keep thinking of Planet of the Apes. And, you know, uh-huh. like, would I want to be, okay, if I, would I want to be in a gated, like in a fenced area for, you know, two years till I got good and fat so that I could be, you know, eaten? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Or like even on a humane farm where these. Um, right. That's what I mean. If it's even a yeah. humane farm. But, and then there's these humans that are taking care of you and they're feeding you and they're right. being so nice to you. And then suddenly they're like. Wait, what's happening? You're killing me? Yeah. Like what? Right. What happened? Yeah. What, what did, did I do? Like, right. <laughs> and and you're right. Like I do think of that. Like especially when we talked about, um, or I mentioned my fascination with entanglement 
the theory uh-huh. of entanglement and the energy and how we're all connected. And like, I, I get that, that like, if I am consuming meat from an animal that was in sheer terror before it died, that energy is stored in that meat. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But I was talking to a friend of mine about that and he said, well, how do we know that plants don't feel the same? How do we know that? Like, how do you, do you ever get that question? How yeah. do we know that oranges aren't like, ah, you know, like, like the orange and apple cartoon? Yeah. yeah. Well, they don't have a central nervous system as like a good place to start. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they may have like some kind of, <laughs> like my, that's my go-to for that. And then the other one is, even if I always like, like this question sort of pops up a lot, mm-hmm. um, plant, like cows eat plants. Right. So, so if, if somehow plants do have some a type of consciousness that, that where they have fear and terror and they mm-hmm. feel pain, um, eating plant, being vegan would still harm, cause less harm because the cows and pigs and chickens that we eat, eat plants. Mm-hmm. So they have to eat like so like whatever mm-hmm. amount of plants to be raised, to be big enough to be slaughtered mm-hmm. and then they get killed and then we eat them. So we're eating the mm-hmm. plants that we probably ate when we ate meat anyway, along with all the plants that that cow ate, you know, like, right. so we have to eat something. Right. <laughs> so if eating, eating plants still harms fewer plants. Okay. I gotcha. I get it. Yeah. So we'd say we can actually be plant activists. Yeah, and I would love saying that to people like, oh, I'm glad to hear you're a plant activist. You'll be glad to know that being vegan is really going to help you with your, like, desire Saving to the plants. arm fewer plants. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. We should write that one down, too. Yeah, let's do it because okay. we can say it originated here. Plant activism. Okay. I got it. <laughs> There's a movie called <laughs> Cowspiracy. Have you seen this one? No, I have not. Um, it really helped me understand a lot of the uh, the um, environmental issues around animal agriculture. And that, that was one of the things I had never thought of, like how much water these animals right, drink. Right. Like it takes a huge <clears throat> amount of water to raise a cow who's then eaten, you know, mm-hmm. when, yeah. And so, and the water that went to grow the plants that the right. cow ate for the humans to eat. Like it's a lot of resources going in. Mm-hmm. It's not very sustainable when you think of it that way. Well, isn't there something too of how it affects the environment, like yeah. uh, the ozone or something? I should know this. See, that's why I'm doing these sessions yeah. on activism so I can understand all these things. I'm not so good about that, but cowspiracy will help. Okay, I'll have to watch that. that. Yeah, I think like yeah, I don't even want to start trying to say stuff. I'll, I'll get it wrong. Well, you can get it wrong. That's okay. I won't, I won't correct you. <laughs> but I, there's a part of me that like in these conversations, uh-huh. I'm like this is a conversation and it's not like a debate. Like right. when you're debating with someone and if I were to throw out like, well, CO2 something and I had it wrong. Yeah. The debate is over. <laughs> and <laughs> and you've lost that one. Yeah. One more gone. And also like when I talk about veganism, like it's really such, to me, I try to really keep it simple and be like, I don't have to kill animals or harm them intentionally for any mm-hmm. reason. So I don't. Right. Like, Try to just keep it that simple. Yeah, is is a vegetarianism a good transition, like a like a, st- a port on the way, or is it better to go all the way? You know, I have to say, I think it varies. It must like mm-hmm. vary from person to person. Like okay. I know people who have been able to just immediately. I've talked to someone recently who said, 
they immediately were like, nope, that's it. I'm going vegan. They saw something that made mm-hmm. them like just decide. Um, but I mean, I, it took me a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I think like, if you're taking steps, mm-hmm. vegetarian sort of makes sense as, yeah. as it's yeah. along the way. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's a nice, it's a good way to sort of ease in, I guess was probably what I was thinking. Yeah. One step in the right direction. It's so funny because I remember how hard it seemed to go vegan. Mm-hmm. And now that I've been at it for a while, I really am just like, what was I? Why was I so worried? <laughs> but it was hard because like, I didn't know what I was going to be eating instead. Like I was yeah. used to there being like meat, like what meat am I going to eat at my next meal? And then, oh, yeah, maybe I'll have something else with it. Right. Right. So with your show, with the animal show, uh, tell me, tell us more about that, like how that went down and what it's about and and how, where you took your show and all that good stuff. Uh, okay. Um, I did it also at Judson Church was where I did like a, oh, like a work in progress reading of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I did it at a theater in Dixon, in New York City called Dixon Place. Um, I did a three night run of it. Okay. Um, last year, it was over a year ago. And then I um, took a tour. Last summer I did a tour where I traveled the West Coast and, um, yeah, I went to Houston, my old hometown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made, I set up this plan where I would start in Houston and drive all the way up the West coast uh-huh. doing the show in various locations and also volunteering at animal sanctuaries and doing different types of activism. Uh, so I did this show four times last summer. Um, and then I brought it back and rewrote some stuff and incorporated some of the stories that happened on tour mm-hmm. back into the show and did two more runs of it in, uh, New York City, mm-hmm. and then I took it to Philadelphia and uh, Rochester, New York, just a couple weeks ago. And now I'm working on making a book and an album based on the show. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. So then all that will all like all these. It's, it's really interesting the way the show has become like a living thing that that I'm able to like. Oh, let me take out this story and add this video mm-hmm. piece. Now I'm adding like video into it, and um, it's it's really interesting. It's staying alive and and. Um, new and fresh each time I do it. That is so cool. That, I mean, just that you created something and went so far with it. It must be really, really fun. Kind yeah, of it's, that. <laughs> it's fun. And it's really like, you know, the thing that I learned is just say yes to stuff. Mm. Like I had this idea and like, just, you know, like I, I just decided one day I was going to take a tour. Like nobody was like, telling me you should do it. No one said, here, have, have some money to go do a tour. And I just I started saying I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I started calling theaters and telling them I was going to do it at their place. How <laughs> do I make it happen? You know, like, and then I just figured it out. Like, it was hard, but it was the saying yes and taking the steps that was the hard part. Like, mm-hmm. once I was in the, I mean, that's not entirely true. Like, there were some definite difficult times when I was on the road, like money wise and that mm-hmm. type of thing. Cause it was, it was an expensive trip and I wasn't making any money <laughs> while oh. I was doing. Do they pay, um, did they pay to come to the show though? They did pay to come to the show, but, um, there were some things that I learned <laughs> on the road. <laughs> like maybe I should have chosen smaller venues. Maybe I should have uh-huh. not planned on hiring musicians in each city. Oh, um, got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, maybe I should have like consolidated into one month instead of spreading it out over two. Like, mm-hmm. there were a lot of things that I learned by making mistakes. Yeah, um, but that's that's the way it goes, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm gonna try again this summer and do a shorter tour with more dates. Okay. And 
just by myself and do like I, I can I'm going to do little small like house concerts and like smaller scale because it's storytelling and music mm-hmm. and, and it works fine in a small space. It's not nice. like like a theater. That's incredible. I, I just love that it's it's going on and on and on. Do you think you'll go like do you go see other um, rescue shelters and things like that? What did you call them? Jeez. Uh, sanctuaries. Sanctuaries. That's such a better yeah. word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been to quite a few, like, especially the, with the, with the visits I did over the summer mm-hmm. and I, and I want to keep like visiting these places. I think there's something really special about it. And, and it's a really interesting way. Cause like, this has kind of become my thing to, <laughs> to advocate for animals in this way. And I've really discovered that meeting animals and telling other people about Mm-hmm. Their stories makes a difference. It's a way to like, you know, one of the things that makes me want to be vegan is having an understanding that, that animals are these individuals that have their own worth, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like meeting animals, especially chickens, strange, like I, I had no idea chickens were like, individuals in a way if that makes sense mm-hmm. i mean i just thought of them as like yeah they're just those dumb birds that are like flocking around they lay eggs mm-hmm. and like they're just dumb, dumb birds but they each have different personalities and mm-hmm. they have different friends like in these mm-hmm. chicken yards at the at tamerlane especially because i know those chickens the best there are chickens that like hang out together you know they have like relationships with wow. one another yeah you know like and, and Telling stories, like there's a story I talk about in the show where I, with this one rooster was getting really bullied, mm-hmm. but he was bullying other roosters of who was in other yards so who kind of got stuck in like the toughest rooster yard, <laughs> the farm, right? But he wasn't <laughs> tough enough to hold his own there, uh-huh. but he was hurting, like he was like bullying the other. So anyway, so he, he had to be the low man, the low rooster on the totem pole, mm-hmm. whatever in this place. So I tell the story about him being bullied in sort of tandem with my own experience of being bullied, right? Mm. And um, a friend of mine in Houston, like, he sent me a message on Facebook after he saw the show, and he's like, I can't eat chickens anymore. Like, he said, that's it. I don't know why, but that rooster story you told, it's just, I couldn't, because, you know, like, I think helping people sort of relate to animals, Mm -hmm. even if they don't go vegan, I mean, I would love if everyone that saw my show was like, oh, my God, you're right. Right. Animals need to live. We're not, we're vegan now. It doesn't happen very very often. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but but if nothing else, I love the fact that people are getting the at least sort of getting a different understanding about animals that we really don't give much thought to. Oh, I, I really want to see your show. I got to take it to you. You do. I'll have to figure. We'll have to collaborate and get you to Madison. Um. All right, my friend. Um, Honey of the Bronx, the vegan drag queen, is from Madison, I really? think. Really? Yeah, she lives in New York City now. I think <laughs> she was just there. I need to make sure you use Honey of the Bronx. Honey of the Bronx. You should write her name down, too. Okay. Because <laughs> I think she goes and performs a lot in um, in Madison. I could have that wrong. That that sounds like an, a necessary show to be seen, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that would be so cool if you, I mean, I, I could figure that out. I could help you figure that out. I could, it'd be all good. That'd be so awesome. Uh, I, yeah, I'm terrible with geography, so I can't tell if, um, <laughs> so, I think this summer I want to go from New York to, um, 
Wait, where's this? <laughs> Colorado. The funniest part that's, was you pointing your finger like this, <laughs> this like arc. That <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's my car flying. <laughs> so I think I want to go from New York City to Colorado and back. Okay. But like maybe like a wide arc <laughs> up and a wide southern arc back. Yeah, that sounds good. Like a, like an oval, like an egg yeah. shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that take me near you? I'm like a, a revealing. Well, we're, I buy Chicago. I'm like two hours from Chicago. Um, your podcast. What got oh, you yeah. started in podcasting? Well, way back in 2000, <laughs> 2005. <laughs> when you were old, back when you were old. Yeah. Um, I had a... Um, a friend, like podcasting had just started. And I always been like, um, really, I, I was on live journal. Like I was really interested in these things of like blogging and, um, this friend of mine kept telling me like, Oh, you should start a podcast. Um, uh, his name is Richard Bluestein, who he was one of, like one of the first podcasters, I think really? a show called, called yeast radio. He's definitely one of the first gay podcasters. Okay. And, um, and I knew him from, uh, from this site live journal. Do you remember this? It was like way, it was way before MySpace, mm-hmm. way before Friendster. Mm-hmm. It was this, like it was the first blogging site oh, wow. and, and it wasn't even called blogging yet. It was just people like writing these journal entries. <laughs> and we would interact with each live other. Live journal. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and he, this friend of mine kept encouraging me to do it. And I started listening to other podcasts and I was like, Oh, like it's just people talking and recording it. Right. I can do that. So um, I started doing it. Um, yeah, and I started focusing on activists. Nice. Back then, because I wanted yeah. to be an activist, and I didn't really know what to do. That's what I'm doing. I'm like yeah. following in your footsteps. It's, it's crazy. crazy. Like, it's, <laughs> and I like so many different things happened because of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, I think part of what moved me to New York was that I was like, oh, I'll podcast about moving to New York City. And I, on the way, I stopped at this, um, uh, this like uh, commune. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's called. Quinnia Farm in Georgia. Okay. Um, it's where Habitat for Humanity started. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I went and I was an intern there for four months. I was like, oh, I'll podcast while I'm there. Um, wow. Like there was a conversation I had with some animal rights activists when mm-hmm. I was still eating meat that made me like snap to it. Like, wait a minute. Why am I not vegan again? Wow. Like, why did I go back to eating meat? Um, yeah. So I've talked to a lot of people. I talked to a lot of like um, right now I'm focusing on um, activist artists mm-hmm. and, um, and I, I, I might just stick with that theme, mm-hmm. um, because now it's kind of what I do, like create work mm-hmm. about my activism and I do activism for the sake of being an activist, I guess, and mm-hmm. trying to make the world a better place, but also because it gives me experiences that I can weave back into my work. You know, I have to tell you about this show that's in New York City. How, yeah. Like, are we we're running out of time? We must be running out. Of time oh, we're okay. We're, let's just keep <laughs> let's just keep going. <laughs> There's this show called um, uh, "Say Something Bunny" that this woman I know made here in New York City. Okay. She she makes work out of found objects, and one oh, okay. of her friends found a wire recorder. I didn't even know this existed. It's like a tape recorder, but it records on wire. The machine was wow. broken, but it had like some recordings with it. She got the machine fixed, listened to the recordings, and over the course of the next six years, mm-hmm. she did all of this research to find out who the people were in the recordings wow. and what their stories were. And she built a solo show about it. <gasps> so so is her telling the story of her discovery of these people and what she found out about them in this like 
crazy way. Like it's, I've seen it twice and she does it in this little room where maybe 15 people can see it. Oh wow. And everybody has like a transcript in front of them of the entire recording. Mm -hmm. And the recordings are like from various spots around like the fifties and Mm sixties that this kid recorded his family. Hmm. And she like the guy, one of the guys in the recording found out about it and came to the show. Like, oh it's God. like the craziest, grooviest thing ever. It's really cool. I love so, that story. Yeah. But they're now immortalized right. in her show that actually became like New York Times wrote about it. Like just, but it's, it's so fascinating. It's so cool. It's, it's just yeah. such a, you know, fi- it's like a treasure. Yeah. So they, speaking of bringing it back, how about if I bring us back to the podcast for a moment and uh, <laughs> take our listeners to the end here? So um, why don't you tell people the best places to find you? Um, my website is michaelheron.com. Uh, it's H-A-R-R-E-N. And on social media, pretty much everywhere, I'm at Michael Heron. Um, yeah. And like if you go to my – and my podcast is at mikeypod.com. But like everything – I feel like I did a good job of linking everything back to my website. So if you remember michaelherron.com, you'll be able to find links to social media and my blog and mute my music. All the stuff from Tentative Armor that I told you about mm-hmm. is recorded and up on the website. And it's on Spotify and Apple Music. And you can buy it in iTunes and blah, blah, So anyway, there's That's my awesome. little pitch. That, that was a great that was a great rap pitch. Oh, good. I'm glad awesome. I'm getting better about that. I was still <laughs> insecure about like self-promoting in a way. Hey, I, everyone's going to want to find you now after this because it was such a great conversation. I'm so happy that we connected. That uh, uh, Mackenzie, too. we have to give Mackenzie a shout out. Yes, thanks, Mackenzie. <laughs> Mackenzie Bennett from Blueberry, our host, or yeah. at least that's where I host. Do you host? Do you host? Yeah. Blueberry? Okay. Yeah, me too. I love. Like, I'm obsessed with how great they are. I love. I know. Them. Me too. Oh my god. All right. Well, thank you again, and Blueberry, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you an affiliate with Blueberry yet? I am, but I haven't figured out how to make anything happen with that. Oh, my God. So we'll th- I'll throw my affiliate <laughs> link in okay. then. If you okay. use promo code MikeyPod, you can get a <laughs> free month of, of hosting. Wait or a second. <laughs> I tried to let you do yours first. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what mine's called. I have to figure that out. Ask Mackenzie. Mackenzie will help you. She'll I totally know. get you set up. That's how I figured it out. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for the show. And I have a feeling uh, Mikey and I will be talking more often than this. Yeah, <laughs> I did I it. Think I so did it. Sure. I threw yeah, it in. Yeah, you did the Mikey in. I'm so yes. glad you did. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, take care. You too. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. All right. I can't even tell you how much energy was flying around during that conversation. It was like we were um, like feeding off of each other. It just kept getting more and more fun. And we had talked once about a week week or so earlier, I think, and we were so charged about the conversation because we knew it was going to be a blast. So hopefully you felt that energy listening. Um, I keep finding it interesting that vegans keep showing up on my show. And actually, I've got like two more booked out ahead. So if you are a vegan, we're giving you a lot of attention here. The thing that I still have to figure out is how I can switch to vegan with all these food sensitivities because right now you know grains and legumes are pretty much out of the picture as well as dairy but I guess that's not vegan so that doesn't count. So what I would love it is if any of you listeners out there would like to share your stories around vegan and vegetarian head out either to the Instagram or the Facebook and give some commentary so I can learn a little bit more. I would love to hear what you're doing. Thanks for listening everyone. Take care. 
Are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.